This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 205 DGS. We talk, uh, we talk a lot about the city and about politics because uh, we're in the city. You know, came like the voice of St. Louis, the whole bit. And we're down here. And uh, we've talked about the homeless deal, the homeless issue, and a lot of people talk about it, and we, like, live it. Today we're over at Chris's having breakfast, uh, me and Rach and Andrew, because Wheels wasn't here yet. He's cleaning up puke. And uh, one of uh, the servers, who's a friend of ours, handed us this flyer, and it's from this woman named Mary, who has set up uh, a tent on the front lawn of City Hall as a way to get attention, as a way to protest, and as I understand it, uh, it's saying there are no uh, sh- women shelters uh, or animal shelters in the city. And uh, so we went over there and uh, we took her some coffee because she comes in every morning to get a coffee. And we met her and some of her friends. There were a couple of tents set up and some people kind of hanging around there. And they were nothing but pleasant, incredibly pleasant, and and enjoyed our little talk with them. We invited her to come on the show if she'd like to sometime. She's going to. And... It, it was just so hard, though, because you typically will see homeless people. We see them all day, every day. And, you know, sometimes you engage and sometimes you don't. And sometimes, you know, you you help them out and sometimes you can't. Uh, but when you sort of like spend extended time with them and talk to them and see their life, for me personally, anyway, it is. You walk away different because it's so easy for us to go Democrats, Republicans, the homeless, and we're like, we get a picture in our mind and we move on. But those are people. I mean, those are human beings who are doing the same thing right now, <clears throat> and they're going to be doing it tonight and tomorrow. And it just, you know, uh, they have a couple of dogs there, and I said, hey, can we help you out with some money for the dogs? Absolutely. And I had a to-go thing from Chris's, and the someone in the tent said, what's that? And I started trying to sell it to them, like, well, it's a half a BLT, <laughs> and they're just like, Grab like, hey, if it's food, I'm hungry. <laughs> and then a gentleman stopped me on my way out and was showing me his feet. He said, I need new shoes, and I can't afford it. And he said, my feet are all infected. And, brother, they were jacked up, really? right? Mm-hmm. It was just, I don't know. I guess the point I'm trying to make is we should all be careful, myself, chief among us, that when we talk about a group of people, we don't forget that it's a group of people. The homeless is not monolithic. And like this is someone's child, someone's child, maybe someone's mom or dad, 
And who the hell knows how they got there? I kind of don't care. They're there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know the whole thing about enabling, and they're just going to spend money on, you know, drugs or alcohol or something. Maybe they will. I don't know. Uh, I don't have the answers. I just know that every now and then you look at someone in the eyes and you see their eyes. I was really struck because you said something to me. We were kind of discussing this and you said, uh, you know what? But now they have the option. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I think that's. Yeah, that guy can go buy shoes or he can buy, buy something else, but he has an option. Now. And, I, and I think you're totally right that that's consistently one of the biggest uh, uh, one of the biggest obstacles that the homeless community faces is that we when you think you just think like homeless person or homeless people or whatever and like you just kind of like you said you kind of monolith them all together when they are each you know an individual person with individual circumstances that's dealing with an individual situation yeah we kind of do that with everything though we do that's pretty much we it's have always a lot of groups we have a lot of at, groups to keep track of we're good at othering people we're mad at people we're happy with people we're pulling for people we're rooting against like we have a lot of groups. Do you think that's just because it's easier for our brains to put something into a category and then we can kind of uh, uh, walk away from any sort of responsibility yeah. we feel towards it? I think it. it's a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, so you go in this bucket. Okay, now I can move on and do something I want to do. Yeah, I, I, I do think that from like an everyday person standpoint, it just, it's oh, it seems overwhelming. Yes. Like, what good is it going to do if I give this one person $10? What good is, I mean, like, there's just not enough organized effort Mm -hmm. from, I mean, all, there's 330 million of us. And clearly not enough people in that 330 million care or feel like they can do something or feel like there's a a place to turn to do something more, right? Mm -hmm. You see a disaster like Hawaii, what do you see? You see all of these fundraisers pop up. Whether it's, you know, the uh, the Blue Cross, I'm not Blue Cross, uh, Red, Red Cross. Cross, whether it's Red Cross or any other charity group or a famous person does it, there are always ways to donate money to do something, and we will do it for these very special circumstances, these tragic events, but there isn't anything that we d- that jumps to mind, or maybe we just don't think or care enough about it to look at something that is a real problem in a lot of big cities. Yeah. And maybe it's because most of us don't live in big cities. Well, too, it's like we went over to meet Mary, and we did, and we helped them out. And then what, Rach, 30 minutes later, uh, Rach said, hey, it's such a pretty day. Let's take a quick walk around the building. And we did. And we saw five or six homeless people on our 10-minute walk. We didn't help them. I mean, they didn't ask us, but right. it's not like we're wizards or do-gooders. We're not, like, seeking people out and let me give you money, but it's just a weird deal. Do you think this particular problem, homelessness, is because the vast majority of Americans really don't live in cities? Could be. Or at least regionally. I mean, like, I know a lot you know, in New York City, for example, that's where everybody lives. I mean, lives. I know how I would feel about it if I didn't work downtown. You wouldn't see it. I wouldn't see it. I, I would, if someone came to me and said, we could use your help, I would help them. But I wouldn't spend much time thinking about it because I'm not confronted with it. Right. As we're talking now, I'm sure most people listening have some interest in it. Uh, it's an interesting story, but they don't have a frame of reference, and neither would I. If I didn't hadn't worked down here since 1990, and then when you don't see it, it's probably a little bit more scary when you do. Well, and, oh yeah, right, yeah, for sure. And we've talked to St. Patrick's Center about this. I think a lot of people also, it's easy for them to be like, "Well, that would never happen to me," 
And I think it's a lot closer to everyone's doorstep than you think. You're a lot of people are a couple of missed paychecks away from yeah. being in a similar situation. Well, my whole attitude changed. My brother passed away in 2002, uh, took his own life. And he had been estranged from the family for a long time before that. We didn't know a great deal about his life. And when he passed away, we got a big banker's box full of stuff. And one thing was a, a deposition because he was uh, disabled from work and they had to take a deposition. And we learned about his life. And one of the things that we learned is that he had been homeless for a few months when he moved to Tucson, living in a park, and uh, talked about how he would try to get enough money to buy a pound of hamburger and some buns and make himself, you know, hamburgers for dinner. And I didn't know any of that. And I was very, I mean, I wasn't very young. I, I was, well, I was 38, but I was a very young 38. And I just didn't know that. And so now when I, I said, like, that's someone's child, that's someone's mom or dad, that's someone's brother or sister. Well, it was my brother. And had I known back then, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. But, of course, I would have done what I could to help. But he just wasn't really connected to the family. But I, I look at those people and I'm like, that's Keith. That's someone's Keith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and, and like, you know, I, I don't have a lot of religious beliefs. I have hopes. You know, it'd be nice if I died and woke up and there's grandma and there's the guy from the movie when I was 10, whatever. But uh, there were real people who gave my brother money. And I always think about that. Like, I'm happy to be the person who gives someone's brother money. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because they're not through whatever mechanisms of life, right? Right. So everyone's brother, quote unquote, needs some help now and then. Because you never know whose brother you're helping. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy is you can also live, you know, we're not, we're not a, we're not a poor country. We're not a spot, uh, you know, the type of country like, oh, we're struggling for everybody to make ends meet or whatever. I mean, there's a lot, uh, we have a lot of resources, but there just isn't a lot of will, certainly no effort on the part of people who are federally elected officials to put much energy into helping this. And it is complicated. I mean, we've had people on that talk about it. Like you can try to help someone, but if they don't want to go to rehab or if they don't, or be, if they, because of their mental illness, they don't want to go live somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you can't do anything about they that. They don't want to split up from their partner. They don't want to give up their animal. There's the, there are so a many things. Yeah, yeah, why. yeah. Uh, let's finish out this segment with a this, like. Let's cleanse the palate. That was a very serious topic there. Um, not that this one isn't, but uh, President Biden is making noise about going to Maui, and a lot of people are saying, "Stay away. It's already a cluster. We don't need Air Force One coming in and traffic, and we don't need to worry about you." And I remember. Not sure you guys remember, but I remember when uh, George W. Bush went to New Orleans Mm -hmm. and he didn't land. He flew over and that led to Kanye West. George Bush doesn't care about black people. To what degree do you think that it's I know it's symbolism. You know, Biden's not going to go pick up a shovel and do any work. How important is that symbolism to go or not go? That's a great question. I can say it wouldn't matter to me. Like if I were if I were in Maui, I wouldn't be like, I sure hope President Biden's thinking about me. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't matter to me because there's in that crisis, there's so much immediately in front of you that you need to worry about. You're worried about your family. You're worried about your friends. You're worried about yourself. It wouldn't matter to me if Biden comes and looks around and goes like, wow, this is really bad. I hope things get better for you guys. 
Because all and, and that's not a knock on Biden, but it's just ultimately that's all he can do. Outside of like, you know, doing what I'm sure he's already done, which is committing FEMA and everything else to to help. All he can personally do is just go like, what a mess. Yeah but, if, yeah, but if he doesn't go, then he's the jerk that didn't go. Yeah. It's kind of like he has to go. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's a bad position. It's also something that I wish we could all just finally agree on, that that whole charade right. is stupid. Like, p- people in Alaska. Now, if you're the mayor of that town, if you're the governor of that state, whatever, that's a little bit different. You have a more hands-on thing going on there. We don't need everybody in the federal government just making a trip to a disaster area. I mean, if there are tornadoes in this area, the president coming here to to look at the damage and make a speech doesn't do anything for anybody else. You know what that makes me think of? The famous George W. Bush at uh, Ground Zero. Yeah, that was pretty. With his hand around the firefighter. That was pretty good, though. (laughs) And they're all going to hear from us real soon. Oh, man. That's probably, if you traced it back like a marriage, that's probably the best we've been in recent modern history. Yeah. It all kind of went downhill from that moment. It was pretty crappy right like before we that. All, we were all together. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like out and out just disagree with you guys, but if I were involved in a natural disaster and the president, no matter who the president was, came out to that site, I think that would mean a lot to me personally. It, hmm. would, it would me too if I were there. Yeah. Like, I, I get how it's easy if it doesn't happen to you to be like, oh, who cares? He's not going to do anything. But if, if I could put myself in that situation and the commander in chief made time in his schedule to come visit yeah. and try to comfort people like that yeah. would mean something to me. Yeah. The, the counter to what I said was that moment you referenced that didn't just impact the the people there. The whole country was impacted by that. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, I, I don't care who anybody voted for in 2000, everybody heard that and they were like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how we do this. Yep. 224 DGS race. What's the strange addiction thing? Oh, I, one of my friends sent me, because I'm like addicted to ice cream treats right now, I keep buying box after box of. What's your poison? Like which kind right now? Okay, right now it's the bunny tracks. Um, it's like peanut butter cups and vanilla ice cream with a layer of caramel over that, and then a chocolate shell. I oh see. Oh my gosh, it's yes. so good. I've been getting the Magnum bars in raspberry and vanilla. Those are both really good. And those then, are expensive. They they are, but She's you can rich. find them on sale at Schnucks. <laughs> okay. She's radio. Also, good deal. also on down. sale at Schnucks, you can get these uh, these Dove sorbet bar. The raspberry sorbet in a dark chocolate shell and they're little they're only 150 calories they're so good remember the so uh, i can't stop buying ice cream treats remember the did you guys did you did they sell ice cream in your school when you're like grade school junior high high school whatever probably junior high we did that we had uh, always had the eclair bars the strawberry and the chocolate ones oh yeah and i bought the chocolate ones dude why don't i buy those more Mm, that's how i feel every time i buy a new ice cream treat and they're cheap that was my first uh really bad credit uh, is <laughs> Joe Barton one of my friends at school was in the German club and they sold those candy bars okay with the gold foil wrapping that you then put on your desk yeah and I was into him pretty pretty heavy and uh, <laughs> then my buddy Bill Miller and his twin sister made suckers at home and uh, I, I had some sucker debt as well so <laughs> Wow. Well, the strange addiction is this woman who eats ice cream treats. She eats like 44 of them a day. Oh. And I think it comes out to 10,000 or something per year. And she just has a freezer full of ice cream treats. She a big woman? She's a little larger, yeah. and she, But not like... So a lot of people who eat like that aren't. Not like 600 pound life level yeah. at all. She's just kind of like 
<laughs> and does she describe Medium. it as it's an addiction as opposed to I really like ice yeah, cream? Yeah, she says it's definitely an addiction. But it, the video is really funny. I should have gotten it for audio, but it was like nine minutes long. But she's just like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> like She's eating the ice cream. She just can't help but be like, yum, <laughs> like the whole time she's eating. Yeah, we never, Rachel and I never got that because by the time we were in school, there was like the presidential fitness program. Oh, we had that oh, too. Did you, yeah, we did. Yeah, I did. I don't remember that. We had ice cream at my school. To do the broad what? jump and... Mm-hmm. You know. I never got to have ice cream at school. We had ice cream. We had the snack Yeah, but you were a public shack. school kid. Well, yeah. Yeah, private We school, barely got books. <laughs> we had something called the Snack Shack, and you could order your lunch before school started, and you could get, like, a little personal pan pizza. You could get oh, a burrito. Thanks. You could get nachos. But you just had to order in advance, and they would cook it for it, you. It rocks no, we got we porridge. The North Line and the South <laughs> got Line. porridge. And the South Line was burgers and pizza and fries uh-huh. and chicken nuggets every single day. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the North Line was like lima beans and grilled salmon. Oh, the salmon. stuff you wouldn't want to eat. Yeah. It's like there were like two kids who went to the North Line. I don't even yeah. know why they did that. <laughs> I don't know. That was amazing, though. That I've oh. never had any experience better than that. My first day in seventh grade, better than Capitol Grill, better than the Four <laughs> Seasons, like showing up. Used to eating warm tuna sandwiches at <laughs> elementary school. And they had like burgers and fries and pizza. And I had money. And like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah, that was my big thing when high, with high school. Because in grade school, we had lunches, but not like that. But we had vending machines. And then you got, they had the cafeteria. You could just go get whatever you wanted. Breakfast too. Every day, French toast sticks Probably and Mountain Dew. The thing I've been the most <laughs> impressed with was uh, the cafeterias at Mizzou. Didn't really see a lot of them at KU. Yeah, yeah. I hear they're not as good. Oh, okay. Phoebe says they're not as good. Dude, at Alabama, they're like restaurants. Oh, my God. At Mizzou, unbelievable. Yeah. And, of course, Nick was on a plan and uh, couldn't even spend it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he talks about, oh, Friday night, we'd go out and we'd party. And I'd go by and uh, like midnight and get two pizzas and two patty melts. Damn you. <laughs> 235 DGS. Wheels just telling us in the break about uh, the actor Tom Hardy was in London and he came across these guys who were having pretend medieval fights, you know, knights and such. But actually, like, contact, though. Like, like actually trying. Each other. Yeah. yeah, and he jumped in and he joined the fray. And that's always made me wonder about how accurate or ridiculous uh, are movie, period movie fights. Uh, for example, like John Wick. Uh, or Jason Bourne, where you have two trained guys and they're going at it, hiya, hiya. And I've just always assumed it, it's complete fiction. Like, there's never been a single fight like that. Uh, like in the, the Quiet Man with John Wayne, and they have a fist fight that goes 20 minutes and they go into five different houses and they stop and have a beer, and every punch is like, ka-choing, you know, yeah. that doesn't happen. Fights, fist fights last 30 seconds and you're both tired and your friends pull you off of each other. Um, and my guess is that, like a medieval fight, you know, we both have armor and and uh, swords, and we know how they say it went, you know, ka-clink, 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 you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I do that, and you block it. I imagine people just came up from behind you and hit you in the hip, and you died. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. It's, uh. it's, it's all a lot clumsier, too. It's not choreographed, you know, so when they swing up and you parry and swing yeah. down and stuff, there's just a lot. It's just swinging at each other and hoping that, you, if there's anyone out there who is like a legit black belt, I, I would like to know. Like when black belts get in fights, is it anything like that? Are they jumping up on tables or are they just like punching each other a little better than we do and then they stop? Yeah, I mean, like, if you watch 
like mixed martial arts, I think it gives us a pretty good idea, right? But those things only go for a few minutes at a time and then they take a break, right? Like I don't, I don't think that real like life or death combat situations last that long. Yeah. But I mean, if you want to look at how they counter each other, lasted longer than a couple minutes. Yeah, I mean, but most of them don't involve professionals, right? If you have two, like Born, if you've got two secret agents that have been trained in hand to hand, I don't know how long it would last, but I know the point of the training is for it to not last long, right? Mm. Right. The idea is you got to get it over with quickly because the longer it goes, the more vulnerable you become. I'm always curious about like the. what it was like to be in the armies back in the day when it was sword fighting. It had to be just like random luck, right? Like whether or not you survived, who you ran into, what you tripped over. Yeah. Like they show all these heroic battles. And I know Alexander the Great survived a lot of them, but I I just wonder how much of that is just plain dumb luck. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot. That's what I'm saying. You're fighting some guy and someone behind you hits you in the back of the leg and you bleed out and you're like, what? Wasn't exactly what I planned. Yeah. Because there's always, the, in the movies, there's always that guy, right? They show him for a little bit, and they're like, oh, look, at remember this guy? Because he's going to be the first one that eats it when things go bad. Uh, audio, Rach? Yeah, let's start with Wheeler's audio. Oh, this is, I, I hate this audio, but it's out there. This is a Christian preacher. I think his last name is Christmas. Hmm. Um, just want to see how this hits you guys. You want to know why the Muslim faith has had its advancements? It's because the Muslims were willing to die for their belief. They were willing to strap bombs to their chest. They believed in the afterlife. God give us some men and women that'll get a hold of some passion in their spirit and says, I will lay down my life for the gospel. Okay. He is asking... Uh, and there, it's longer than that. There's more. He is saying that they they need basically we need Christian terrorists. That's what he's saying. He may not think that's what he's saying, but that's what he's saying. Because those people that he's talking about that strap bombs to themselves, those are terrorists. Those aren't holy warriors. Those aren't, you know, people that are standing up for their beliefs. Those are terrorists. Yeah, I mean... I'm he obviously doesn't speak for the entire Christian faith. I'm sure most Christians who hear that go, "Whoa." What but he's are you got a about? he's got a crowded church. He is and apparently he's a famous guy, but I mean like that that place is not empty. And that's what I mean if if I if, how could if you're any kind of believer in anything and you hear a guy saying something, how does people just not get up and leave? Mm. And maybe it was a slow burn over a period of time. Yeah. Where maybe. it's like He's been saying things similar to this, and it's kind of like the frog in the boiling water. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really sad that we're resorting to rhetoric like that, but goodness. This wasn't the whole idea that we're not like that, right? That was the whole, like, we got attacked that way. We're not like that. Christians aren't like that. And I know that 99.999% are not. But how does that guy have a single person in that church? Not to just... This is probably a bad analogy to draw, but it reminds me of what uh, Donald Trump is reported to have said to, uh, what's his face, Meadows, uh, on January 6th, where Meadows came in and said something like, oh, my God. And he said, well, it looks like these people are way more upset about losing the election than you are. Like, hmm, ouch. Like, that's not the good thing about these people. (laughs) You know, like, look at the passion they have. Like, yeah, they're very passionate storming the Capitol. And I mean, Good for them. And like you, I mean, like I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not a religious person. Like I'm not an actively religious. 
but I went to Catholic schools my entire life. I never read a single excerpt from the the New Testament where Jesus said anything about blowing yourself up or going out and and killing other people in his name. Yeah. Never saw that anywhere. Maybe I missed something. Uh, But that seems like blasphemy. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. It's opposed to... (laughs) Everything? (laughs) Yeah. Everything that Christianity stands for. It's just... It's just a shame, and it's a shame that, I, I don't know, I don't know who filmed that and put it online, but then it kind of becomes like a reason for people to to hit out against Christians and be like, look at how yes. Christians are, and it's like, well, that's just not even accurate. This yeah. is one idiot. Yeah. Uh, Jake on line one disagrees. Jake, welcome to the show. Go right ahead. Floor is yours. Hey, guys. Hey. Not talking about Christian terrorists at all talking about uh, the difference between people who have passion and the people who don't. you got to have a little bit of common sense when you're listening to that. Why do you think that he used the example of strapping bombs to yourself? It, isn't because, there a better way to convey passion than to use that as your example? Uh, it's real easy to sit in a studio however many days later and pick apart something and say, you could have done something better or different. In the moment, that's what he used to He's a convey. Pro- hold on, hold on, hold on. He's a professional. This is what he does every day. He's not just randomly making stuff up. He's not some re- yeah. regular dude who got caught in a viral moment. That's somebody who does that all the time. It's their profession. I'm not giving him grace for that. Yeah, that, that sounded really good. You're a professional, too. Yep. You still right. use wrong examples all the time. Yep, and, and I get called and, for uh, it. And, and as you make examples you got to trust that the people who are listening are going to apply some common sense to what you're saying he's not calling for christians to be terrorists he's not talking about that at all jake i i understand what you're saying but can't you agree that that was a terrible example to use uh depends on what why what what better example would he should he have used i don't know maybe one that sounds like something jesus would say what would Jesus have said? I know in that we got a, we got a whole we got a whole set of gospels that have words directly from that man. If his words aren't good enough for you to preach with, then what are you doing? Yeah, that's that's not that's not what he's doing here at all. And you're 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 changing around what Christ was saying in any of those gospels. No, tell but me where question, he said anything like that. My question to you is: What better example could he have used there? Literally anything else. Like, let's not compare to Nazis or terrorists. If we can keep those two things out, I think we're doing okay. Uh, he wasn't talking about Nazis either. I, I understand. It's, it's making about, the point, man. What, what, he, what he was talking about was somebody who was willing to give up their life for that which they believed in versus, in his view, Christians who okay. don't care at all. Jake, I just, I just thought of a great example. Like, the Christians who lost their lives... Uh, under Nero and the Colosseum, who refused to turn their back and denounce their faith. I mean, that's like a a peaceful way of of showing your faith and sacrificing your life for your faith that doesn't involve killing innocent people. I I think that's where that's where I'm stuck personally. Is it's like I get what you're saying. I get that you don't want to condemn this person. I don't know if you're a fan of this preacher or what whatever. But I have no he, idea who he is. Okay. Even, I, I have no idea who so he then, is. So then maybe none of us understand his true intent then, but I'm just saying it's to me it's a horrible example to use terrorism as, as like 
the standard for your As passion? An aspirational goal. Well, but what I'm what I'm telling you from is experience. I was a minister for 30 years, and whenever you're preaching, you can just like whenever you guys are on the air doing what you're doing, you can use examples in a moment where later on you're sitting there going, yeah, I'm not sure that was the best example, but I right. guarantee you that he's not calling for terrorist activities. He's calling for people to wake up and he's calling for people to care or give a damn about what they say they believe in. Because if you don't actually back it with passion, you're not believing in anything. Right, right. Right. Cool. I think he's trying. Honestly, my, my opinion, he's trying to make money. That's what he's doing. You want to know why the Muslim faith has had its advancements? It's because the Muslims were willing to die for their belief. They were willing to strap bombs to their chest. They believed in the afterlife. God, give us some men and women that'll get a hold of some passion in their spirit and said, I will lay down my life for the gospel. So Wales played that and was critical of what the pastor was saying there and then jake who's a former pastor called and said like no you're being unfair uh he just maybe he misspoke but you got to give people credit for knowing what they're doing and he's a professional and easy to to uh, monday morning quarterback and criticize jack calling in has a different view jack go ahead yeah this guy sounds kind of like a whack job okay number one but number but number two how many how, how many people in that church took what he said literally, mm-hmm. that said, that walked out of that church and said, he just told us to strap bombs on ourselves and go bl- blow people up. Now, most of the people probably thought, no, I'm not going to do do that. But I bet there is a certain percentage of people in that church that thinks that's what they should do. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I do. I just said that on the break. I said that yeah. when you uh, are in a position of authority or a position of power, which like we are, you know, we're, we, I got KMOX radio uh, uh, microphone in front of my face. And there are days that I get done and I think I shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have said that. That you have too much power, too much influence over people to be that uh, contrite or, or not careful. But I don't claim to speak for God. And when anyone claims to speak on behalf of God, I think you need to be as careful as you possibly can. Like in the law, we have something like the standard of care. And if, uh, you know, I lend you my wheelbarrow, you owe an ordinary standard of care X, Y, Z. And I just think that when when people stand on a stage and claim to speak with, for, somehow, God, you get to do that. Yeah, it's constitutional, and it's a big part of our American life, but... Uh, if people, if you say something like that and people criticize you, I don't think you should cry about it because uh, plus the guy like lives in a seven million dollar house, which I find disgusting. Uh, I'm not a fan of people like this or people who talk. Even that that I grew up in churches like this, and so I I I, I see it. I get it. I know the language. I know the cadence. I know the rhythm. Like yeah, yeah. And and keep in mind too that this guy's got like a million Instagram followers, a big social media presence. This isn't some innocent person who just got carried away. This is what he does. It's his game. And I I, I mentioned this. I think that caller makes a great point. You can't account for what everybody will do, but that is the danger of that style of preaching. All it takes is one. How How many times have we seen 
somebody who does something terrible, they're the one person out of 100,000 that took it that way, but that's all it takes. When you guys heard that, did you hear passion or did you hear anger? Um, I, I don't really want to try to suss out exactly what he was trying to convey. I, I just wish that we could all arrive at the same conclusion, which is, yeah, bad example. I mean, to me, that that's something that's really simple. And it seems like a few years ago, we all could have went, yeah, not that. Try again. But now we have this weird thing where, like, uh, caller Jake, who I really appreciated his call and I appreciated his point of view, but I wish we could have just both arrived at the conclusion of, like, yeah, it wasn't the best. Using terrorism as your example is probably not the right move. But instead, we have to defend it. It's and, so and, and odd a, to and me. And a fairly easy call. It It is such an easy call. It, But it seems like we don't take the easy calls anymore. It's just, like, I have to well, defend you know, my you know guy me, no matter what. I've always said the most important thing you can do is call it call the close ones against yourself and call the close ones against your team and so yeah it would be nice if other pastors or christians would say like yeah he's part of my team and that was really dumb same way that if you know you're uh, if you said something crazy i could say yeah dave that wasn't your finest moment try again do better and you owe that to me yeah i i feel like i do but yeah but there's an extra i mean like again He's not up there riffing. This is stuff that they that people plan before they go up there. And I can tell you this. I've done radio for 30 years. I have never come close to something like that. I've said stupid things. I've made bad analogies. I've said things that were factually incorrect. I never tried to compare something that you're claiming is holy and good to terrorism. To use that as an analogy and say we need to be more like the people that blow up them blow themselves up and by the way not just themselves but all kinds of innocent people too that's the whole point of the bomb on the chest this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. 